0: One of the last recorded prayers of Jesus was for his disciples and those who followed him that we would be one. This is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation or um, division as some people see it. And quite honestly, for years there has been some level of suspicion, often misunderstanding between the Protestant side of our faith and the Catholic side of our faith. And I think of the Savior who prayed that we'd be one and wonder what he might be thinking about. So today we're blessed and honored to have two people who will just have a conversation with us. Dr. Miranda Cruz is a professor of theology here at the university, Father John Kiefer, is um, most recently spiritual director of a retreat center in the Catholic diocese. And uh, is just retiring, I think, aren't you? In December, okay, so he's not retired yet. But we welcome them to have a conversation. here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you'll lean in. you will ask God to show you some new thoughts, new ideas, and maybe warm our hearts together as we better understand one another. Dr. Crusoe, Father Kiefer.
1: Cruz. Dr. Sarland. Good morning. Good morning. So, Father John, I'd like to start with what I hope is a simple question. What do you believe? Oh yeah,
2: real simple. Uh, (laughs) No problem. Well, to quote some famous words, but this is what I believe. This is what Catholics believe. I believe in God From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting.
1: That sounds pretty familiar.
2: Yeah. You believe something like that?
1: Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Is that something we can all affirm together as brothers and sisters in Christ? Amen. Amen. Now, if it was simple as simply being able to all affirm the same creed, we probably wouldn't be in this conversation. Right. Maybe there are some things that we could clarify together about some of our differences.
2: So, church, church comes to mind. Sure. So... Jesus created a church. Mm -hmm. And we believe that Jesus is the head of that church. Mm -hmm. But Jesus also chooses to work with us human beings, us imperfect human beings. And so there are people in authority within the church with various authorities and responsibilities and all of that. And we believe that the Holy Spirit guides us, you know, is guiding us. Are we always listening and following and hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying and then actually following it? Uh, History says no, Mm -hmm. not always. So the church has needed reform almost from the beginning. Where Peter and Paul were arguing about, you know, do us, do us followers of Jesus do we need to refrain from certain foods? What do we? You know, and they argued about what's the right answer. So reform is nothing new to the church. And my understanding, my sense is that God, when there's need for reform, that God sends people, prophets, saints that say. This is not what God wants, and we need to listen to that. So I think that's why we're here today, mm-hmm. because Luther saw some things that were wrong yeah. and said, this is not right. <laughs> you know, we, we shouldn't be doing this. You know, this has got to change, yeah. and uh, it has changed. Didn't change right away, that's mm-hmm. why we're here. Uh, so, yes, and there's different understandings, and I know from my own faith you know, that I'm continuing to learn, continuing to understand who Jesus is, what, what he's all about. As I, as I get to know myself, I get to know God better. So uh, it's an interesting journey, and it's, you know, I'm still looking for answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a I good think- process.
1: I appreciate so much that we can look for answers together. Yeah. That we're not, the, the path to knowing God more and to loving Jesus more faithfully isn't in conflict with each other, it's through learning from each other yeah. and seeking that truth together. Yeah. I think one question that I would, I would love for you to clarify a little bit, uh, would you mind explaining a little bit about the role of Mary
2: Mary, yeah, she is important, she's important in the church uh, because she's the mother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. She is the God-bearer, the Theotokos in Greek, uh, the God-bearer and I mean, we're, we're, our faith is incarnational that God became one of us, a human being like us in all things, but sin. And so Mary's that instrument. Mary is that young Jewish girl that God chose to bring Jesus into the world. So she think we think she's pretty important. You know, without her, no incarnation, no Jesus. So she is certainly honored greatly. We do not worship Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes when I look at how some Catholics pray and all of that, it's like, okay, you need to tone that down a little. Uh, you know, our focus is Jesus here. Uh, so, but she is highly honored and we think that, that God certainly honored her as that, that vessel, that individual who brought salvation to the world.
1: So how do you think you would distinguish between Honoring and worshiping you mentioned that sometimes it's it's not really clear when you're Looking at what people are actually doing or Mm -hmm. saying. How do you draw that line?
2: Mary is a saint a holy person we've got Innumerable saints Everybody that's in heaven is a saint. So there's lots and lots of them Uh, So so and and we honor them and, and we, we ask the saints to intercede for us. So we use that, we, we say and some of our language isn't real clear I think for people, you know, that we pray to the saints. We pray through the saints. We ask intercession because we believe that, that we're connected, that here on earth, the church here on earth is connected with what we call the church triumphant in heaven. So that we're in communion. What was that part of the creed? We believe in the communion of saints, that we're in communion with one another, that the saints just aren't up there playing harps, uh, you know, that, that we're connected with one another, interconnected. And so Mary, Mary's in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on, only God gets worship adoration.
1: So is there anything, I I think that's something that Protestants often don't understand about uh, Catholic faith is that role of Mary and the Saints. Is there anything that Catholics tend to uh, assume or maybe even misunderstand about Protestants?
2: Oh we don't have that much time but uh, (laughs) 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 But, uh, but we can start. Okay. We can start. so yeah, sometimes I get the impression, you know, we have the impression, you know, that the Protestants that it's like, you know, I mean the big question is, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you say yes, then you're good to go. Then you can do whatever you want as long as you've accepted, you know, on faith that Jesus is your Savior and that, that's all you need. So is that exactly right?
1: Well, not quite. <laughs> we, we, would, we would say certainly that if, if you affirm faith in Jesus Christ, if, if you profess that Jesus is Lord, then in one sense, yes, you, you, are, you are saved. Uh, you are, your sins are atoned for by the work of Christ in his death and resurrection, but the Holy Spirit then begins a work in us. And our response to the Holy Spirit working within us is to participate in our transformation. So if our having professed faith in Christ doesn't bear the fruits of the Spirit, then was that profession of faith in Christ genuine or was it just words that we said? So we would say that our faith is certainly not a list of things that we have to check off, and I've completed these tasks and therefore I'm all set and I'm good to go. Uh, But it's also, it it involves our activity. As Paul says, uh, work out your salvation, put some energy into your salvation so that we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit in becoming more like Christ. Uh, So the works don't save us, but faith without works is dead, and we're always living within that tension. So I, th- I yep. think Protestants tend to actually have the opposite uh, question about the Catholic faith is, well, can a Catholic just kind of do whatever they want and then do the right works to kind of make up for it afterwards, kind of the opposite problem. So, so how does that actually work?
2: And I know growing up as a, as a kid, I, I kind of got that impression that it's like, you know, now, Johnny, if you're good enough, if you're good enough, you can go to heaven. Um, and actually just this past weekend when I, where I was preaching, you know, I asked the question, if that's true, then why do we need Jesus if it's all up to me? If it's just, you know, if it's, you know, how I live my life, period. So that doesn't make sense because Jesus is, is central. Jesus is, is critical. In that, in that gift of salvation, and I know just in recent years, a couple years maybe, this I, I see a shift in myself and my understanding. You know that, you know, first of all, accepting you know that salvation is a gift; it's pure gift. You know, and it's nothing that I earn; it's nothing that I deserve. But it's what God's given me, and given all of us. So what can I do with that kind of gift? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of unconditional love of God. And it's, it's kind of disarming for me that it's like, I, all, I, all I've got is gratitude. Thanks, thanks God, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want more than anything else, is life with you. Uh, and so then out of gratitude, then I ask God, is is there anything I can do for you? Just out of gratitude, not to win anything from you, not to earn anything, but just I'm, I'm so grateful. Is there anything I can do?" And then the Holy Spirit and Jesus says, glad you asked. Uh, how about feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visit the imprisoned, care for the least among you. Whatever you do, to one another. That's what you're doing to me. Do you you get that connection that we're connected, Mm -hmm. that we're one body? So that comment at the beginning about, you know, that Jesus prayed that we would all be one. And and I think it's not just that we would be one, it's that we need to recognize that we are one. Uh, That's already the reality, but are we aware of it? Most of the time, not. You know, we, we fall short. We get, we get it partly, mm-hmm. but I think we got a long way to go.
1: So when, when you're responding to the Holy Spirit in the sense that there are things that you can do out of gratitude for that gift of Christ's uh, life and death and resurrection for us, what's the role of the church in that and sacraments and confession and things like that?
2: Mm, yeah, church, church is critical for our understanding of who we are. And because it, it's telling us that we are the body of Christ and it, it reminds us of that oneness and, and I know in you know giving instructions to people that are learning about Catholicism you know that I say you know if, if you understand the sense of what community is what the body of Christ is then the sacraments make sense then, then it really all comes together. I mean, you know, why, why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest? I mean, what's that got to do with God and forgiveness? But it has to do with that I realize that my, my sin is never just between God and me. My, a sin, my sin affects the whole body because we are one and it ripples through and it affects everybody. And so when I sin, Sure, I need to ask God and hopefully immediately, you know, ask God's forgiveness, but then I need to also be reconciled to the body, Mm -hmm. to the body of Christ. And somehow I need to say, I've sinned and I'm sorry and I need forgiveness. And I need to hear the body of Christ say, you're forgiven. Because we we are God, you know, we we are as forgiving as God is, Mm -hmm. you know, but I need to hear that, so I hear that through the priest. Mm
1: -hmm. So so is the priest actually doing the forgiving, or is the priest representing Christ or representing the body of the church? What's going on there? Representing
2: Christ and his body, the church, and saying, uh, uh, you know, I absolve you from your sins in the name of Christ, in the name of his body, the church. So it's not, it's not John Kiefer, you know, a, a sinner like everybody else, you know, but it's God, God using us, us ordinary people, us imperfect people. God chooses to use us.
1: That's. That's a, that's that's a, a pretty, powerful that's, that's thing. A big,
2: that's a big deal.
1: That's a yeah. powerful thing. And I think that something that part of what we remember and that we appreciate about the Reformation and what Luther did is this understanding that we can go directly to God, that we, yeah. we pray to God for forgiveness, uh, we confess our sins to Christ, and we trust in Christ to to actually forgive us and we trust that that has happened on the cross. But I wonder if Protestants might be missing out on something from actually hearing someone tell us that we're forgiven. Uh, Not not to need the to go have a go-between between us and God but to actually hear someone say the words in the name of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. I, I think that's a, a powerful yeah. thing for someone to experience. Yeah,
2: I think it is. And, and, and also there, there's a power in, in saying our sins out loud. Uh, none of us like to do that, but it also creates a separation from, okay, I'm giving my sins over to God, you know, over to our Lord. And so I don't need to keep hanging on to them. Uh, And I know that I often say you know in reconciliation that I think our God is so forgiving because he wants us to be loving, to love one another, and he knows that if we're carrying our sins around with us, if we're still beating ourselves up because how could I have done that now I'm you know I'm no good blah blah you know all of that negative we're not free to love. And God says, come to me. Mm-hmm. I will forgive you. And then, and then get out there and love one another. You know, don't, don't worry about the past. Let's live in the present.
1: Yeah. So our, our worship this morning was a little different than what we usually have. We don't usually mm. get to Great. enjoy the entire wind ensemble. Great
2: music, yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, and you, you saw a, a little bit of what we tend to do with the contemporary worship songs and that kind of thing. How is what you might experience at a typical evangelical contemporary church service different from what's going on in a typical Catholic mass?
2: That's too big a question. Uh, be- because you know the, the Catholic church is all over the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure if you went to a mass in India it would sound very different, or in Haiti, or, you know, even within the United States, there's, there's very contemporary music, there's very traditional music, there, there seems to be a, a sliding on the part of some clergy, back to Latin, mm-hmm. which I don't really understand what that's about, but it seems to be happening. Uh, so it can vary immensely, mm-hmm. but, I also think that our worship, which is central to us, the Eucharist is, is central to our identity of who we are, the body of Christ, uh, that we can do, we could do a lot better at worship than we do uh, in terms of appreciating what those, what those sacred mysteries are that we celebrate and how, how we do that. Uh, so, I don't know if this group is available uh, to <laughs> enhance our worship. That would, do, that would go a long way. Uh, yeah.
1: So, you, how, how long have you been serving as a parish priest?
2: 47 years.
1: 47 years. So, uh, 47 years is a long time of faithfulness in ministry. <laughs> uh, has... Be, because the, the Catholic Mass is liturgical and you have the same words that are said time and again, has that become less meaningful to you doing the same thing over and over?
2: Uh, it has not. And, and I know for me, for, for our, our worship, that, that when the community comes together on the weekend to celebrate the sacred mysteries, that's what's important, mm-hmm. is, is the gathering of the body of Christ is us remembering what Jesus did, uh, and, and it's a growing awareness too. I, I, again, I was recently, just a couple weeks ago, talking with the congregation about, you know, that, you know, this, these sacred mysteries that part of what we believe happens is that that simple bread and wine actually become Jesus, but then part of the transformation is that we have to believe that we become Jesus, mm-hmm. that God takes ordinary people like us and says, you are the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So go out and act like it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, believe it, trust it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that that's something that that is a real point of difference between the Catholic faith and the various strands of the Protestant faith is uh, that Protestants don't have a sense that the bread and the wine are becoming or being transformed into the body and blood of Christ. But that also doesn't mean that it's a meaningless thing for us, right? We have, uh, we, we don't come to the table to celebrate communion thinking, oh, I'm going to have a tiny tasty snack, right? This is it's right. something that we treat with with reverence and appreciation and gratitude for what Christ has done. and But the outcome is supposed to be the same. Is, that it's, uh,
2: at your mm-hmm. communion, is, is that mostly about the individual's relationship with Jesus, or how much is it a Mm. communion of, you know, that we are sharing what we are, the body of Christ?
1: I think that we tend, and this is, it varies a lot between different denominations and different churches, but I honestly think that our tendency is to emphasize the individual relationship in that and to downplay the role of the community. And I think that that's something that uh, evangelical Christians can learn from. That it's, it's called communion because it's mm-hmm. a communal right. meal and we're called together to the same table and whatever is going on with us individually, whatever disagreements we have, wherever we are in our individual faith, we come together to that one table and share that one bread from our one Lord. Uh, and, it can sometimes get that sense that this is something just between me and Jesus and I think that's something we could really uh, develop in our understanding of communion that it is more communal.
2: Yeah, a a phrase that comes to mind about our faith is that you know I certainly believe that our faith is and needs to be very personal Mm -hmm. in terms of that relationship with our Lord and and with God but it's never private. It's always inclusive
1: mm-hmm.
2: of the body of Christ. Yeah.
1: So you mentioned earlier that uh, the kind of typical Protestant or evangelical phrase about have you personally accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is that something that on an individual level Catholics do?
2: It's a good question. Be- and I, when, I'm, when I'm talking to other Catholics, it's like, you know, because it's like, gee, this person asked me if I've, if I've been saved, and it's like, I don't know how to answer it, uh, kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, we, we need to claim that personally. Uh, but it's also, over the centuries, I think it's been very easy to just fall into, okay, I'm, I'm a Catholic. I mean, we use the phrase, I'm a cradle Catholic. I mean, I got baptized when I was this big. You know, and I just grew up Catholic. And so I, that I just fit into that. But it's like, well, but where's your personal faith? Where's, where has God touched you and changed your life so that you're, you really are a disciple and not just a card-carrying Catholic, mm-hmm. you know? We used to have. I don't know if people still do that or not, you know? But you know, you had a, or you even had a medal you know when you flipped it over it's if you were in an accident it said i am a catholic in case of accident please call a priest i mean i was was you know we 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 carried that yes. carried that identity but did we live that and it's, i and i think it's an ongoing challenge for mm-hmm. all people of faith
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know are we really going to live what we learn are we going to put it into practice
1: yeah so In in the Catholic tradition, when the community gathers for worship and uh, people know kind of the ritual, people know the prayers, they know when to stand up and kneel and all of those kinds of actions, how does that then help inform a personal faith? How, how can you have something that's so corporate and communal and let, have, it, okay. have it be really personal?
2: There, there is that community prayer that's part of our identity, but we need the, we need the personal private prayer as well, mm-hmm. which is aside from Eucharist, mm-hmm. but also that ritual that goes on and we, we know how it flows. Uh, it allows the individual, it, it allows God to work with the individual so as Mass is going on, there's a phrase from the scriptures or a phrase in a song that touches, that just grabs somebody's attention. And I think that can be the Holy Spirit. It can be God ministering to that person that they can, they can kind of run with that, you know, mentally. They can kind of spend that time with God for healing or forgiveness or whatever it is that that individual needs. And then... When you kind of wake up from that and it's like oh where are we you know what part of the mass well it's real easy to know oh i know where we are we're at that part of the mass now so the eucharist can go on while the individual while the spirit's working with individuals
1: okay so then then you can just jump right in and it's almost like it allows you more freedom in a way yeah you think interesting Yeah. okay that's really neat
2: so we're programmed yeah that if we hear yeah, the Lord be with you.
1: And you also know. with you. Oh,
2: there it is. It's, you know, it's, a, it's an automatic response. But, mm-hmm. uh, but hopefully it means something too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that, that I really appreciate about the Catholic tradition is that there, there is this community. People, yeah. people know what's happening. They can do that together. There's this shared experience that's formative for everyone involved. Uh, and yet at the same time, you, you have this personal relationship. I, th- I think that's something we can really learn from each other. If, yeah. if Protestants, at least Protestants who aren't liturgical, can see that that element of shared community and appreciate that and incorporate that, and then if... Uh, Catholics can see our emphasis on this personal relationship, we, I think there's really something we could learn from each other in that. Sure. Uh, and it doesn't mean we're going to agree on every single thing, but at the end of the day, we all affirm that same creed and that, that gives yeah. us a starting point and an ending point with plenty of room for conversation yeah. on the outside of that.
2: Yeah. It's, I'm just checking what's, what's on the picture back here. Because earlier there was the big mountain Mm -hmm. when we were hearing a mighty fortress is our God. And that's an image that I really like of God, that my understanding of who God is and that God is this huge mountain and that we, the human beings, we're all standing around this mountain Mm -hmm. with our hands joined because we are one. And somebody says, wow, you know, I'm looking at this mountain. I'm looking at God and my experience of God, and he is awesome. You know, and somebody else says, well, oh, no, God is, no, I'm looking at God, and God is very peaceful, you know, like flowers and all of that. It's not, you know, and we, we argue with other people's experience of God, and it's not helpful. We need to be understanding. Uh, I think we're running out of time, I need to challenge people. Uh, I would like for the conversation to continue. Uh, So maybe just as you're going to class and all of that, to uh, ask the person you're walking with, you know, what question would you like to ask God? If you were, had a conversation with God, what would you really like to ask God? Just see what other people are thinking. Is that good? And why don't we bow our heads in prayer? Thank you. All loving God, you are the giver of all good gifts. We thank you for the gift of life and the gift of faith. Help us to grow in faith and understanding of you and of one another. And let us all grow to truly be one as you pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. you.